Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the After Later Podcast. I'm your host, John Wessling. Hear my kids going crazy in the background. There's another day in the life of quarantine here at the Wessling Compound. I guess it's technically not quarantine. We're all calling it, oh, I'm in quarantine. I'm on lockdown. But I guess it's just a shelter in place is what we're calling it, right? I mean, you have to be on the official list to be quarantined. You have to, like, uh, have violated the the whatever, the, the, the shelter in place stuff where they put you on quarantine or you have to have traveled back from a bad eating convention or whatever the hell it is. And then they put you on quarantine. I guess it's just self-imposed quarantine. It's what we're calling it, you know, being away from life, away from work. But anyway, I hope you're doing well. Um, I am. Uh, the family is. Comes in waves. We kind of settled into a nice groove. Hope you have as well. And, um, you know, I think we all find ourselves uh, searching for ways to hang on to normalcy. As I sit here spinning a baseball on my desk, recording this. And um, the biggest thing that has bothered me outside of the outside of the obvious stuff. Okay, I, I feel like I always have to qualify that. Outside of the obvious stuff. What's really sucked and just bothered me is the is that there's no baseball. I mean, to me, baseball is the thing that I have that I can, no matter what's going on in life, I can follow baseball. I can watch my team. They're doing good. They're doing bad. Watch other teams. Just, I don't know. I, I keep the calendar. I keep the clock by, by baseball. Not having baseball bothers me. For those of you who don't know me, I have a, a history of sports talk radio. I used to do assorted shows here in Houston, and I'm a lifetime, lifelong Houston Astros fan, even when I wasn't a member of the sports media. So I reached out uh, for today's interview to uh, an old friend of mine, one of my favorite people, a very interesting person, I say every time, but he really is. Um, he's a, a great blogger, uh, unofficial uh, writer, member of the media, his blog called astroscounty.com. Uh, he's also a school teacher. We'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. Um, but he's a very, very good guy. So uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball. If, if, if you're not into a sports conversation, uh, a great portion of the middle of this um, uh, this interview probably won't be for you. Uh, but, you know, go, go with it. Roll with it. Ride with it. Okay? Because there's nothing else going on. Literally, nothing else is going on. So without further ado, please welcome James Yasko. Good morning, Mr. James Yasko. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today, buddy? Not too bad. How are you? Well, you know, as I say on every uh, episode, you know, all things considered, <laughs> if you yeah. take away the, uh, the, the, you know, the massive world... Uh, yeah, you know, the family's doing good and we're trying to stay, uh, we're trying to stay, uh, stay cool and smooth. How about you and yours? Yeah, no, this is very much, uh, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, what did you think of Dallas situation? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a, you know, what? that's a good version of that one. I, I've always heard the, oh, well, other than that, Mrs. Uh, Lincoln, how'd you like the play? <laughs> that's a, that's a good one too. Yeah. yeah but uh, never heard of the Dallas one. That's a good one. <laughs> No, uh, you know, I mean, I know you have you have kids of various ages. We have one that's in second grade, and uh, you know the the, I guess the task is keep everyone sane, have it to where she learns something new every day. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I mean, oh man, Are you sorry, but I I just got a a uh, one of those weird old veteran parent kind of chuckle moments when you said. 
<laughs> make sure they learn something every day. Now that is the that is the sweet thought of someone who has one kid. <laughs> we have four. We basically we're we're at the point where like, hey, just don't break anything or get hurt every day. That's yeah, our that's base. A, that's level. a really good point. And and my wife and I, we've we've been talking about it. And and when we started, we were like, no, we're you know we're gonna have a set schedule, and she's gonna do math from this time to this time, and read from this time to this time. And and sort of the longer it goes on, the more we've sort of taken the strategy of if she comes out on the other end of this and the only thing that she remembers is that she stayed home a lot uh, and it was <clears throat> it was strange not to go to school. But, it, but basically, if she comes out of out of this phase of of this sort of quarantine and lockdown and whatnot without any major psychological trauma. Yeah. and doesn't realize just how kind of scary this is then then we we will consider that a win that is a, a very healthy and smart way to look at it james you know uh, i think a lot of times people are putting too much pressure on uh, not not putting too much pressure on the kids but they they gen- the world has generated so much pressure that yo we have to maintain the you know the schoolwork for our little ones but land if your kids are 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 fourth grade or below you know what i mean or younger um at this point just let them kind of do their thing man because i mean first off they're all the standardized tests and everything have been canceled for the year so that's kind of what the buzz would be going on at school right now anyway is they'd be practicing for their benchmarks and all the star testing and stuff like that so that's off at this point man just let them color let them read let them kind of just enjoy stuff i mean think about it how much do you remember from when you were in second grade absolutely nothing exactly so just keep it light keep it fresh I mean, it's crazy my oldest daughter my 13 year old she still to this day whenever she gets uh in a, in a in a tiff with me she brings up like a handful of like bad memories where she's mad at me for when she got in trouble and she <laughs> got punished uh-huh. and she remembers those with unbelievable crystal clarity (laughs) you know what i mean but everything leading up to and around it and after it the context of the whole thing she she doesn't grasp that she or or, you know i think it's a little bit purposefully she doesn't uh, remember that or bring that up you know yeah Uh, she didn't you know she'll half-ass remember the all the fun times when we went to the playground and all that all the fun stuff that it was you know great happy moments those are fuzzy in her head but when she was wronged (laughs) <laughs> she has unbelievable sense memory for that. So just keep it light, keep it fresh, and and hopefully we'll get through it all, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I'm happy to hear everything's, uh, you know, as best as it can be. I don't know if you're like me. I kind of go through waves. I had a little bit of a bad wave yesterday where just I, I felt a little overwhelmed by all of it. I felt a little too overconsumed by by it, and I just kind of had to, to, to check out give myself permission to kind of be a shithead for a couple of hours and get over it and get past it. You feel that way too sometimes? <clears throat> yeah. And, and it's weird because like, um, you know, we're sort of in a house where, you know, the, everyone has some form of anxiety had, and before this all started, had some form of anxiety or depression and, and it, it just pops up randomly and luckily my wife and i have have had those pop up at at different times and not both at the same time oh that's good so so we you know if one of us has to just go into the bedroom for a couple of hours and shut the door you know the other one's the other one's functional enough to to be able to kind of hold things down so yeah no there there are times where 
where there's too much of the the history major in me and i'm just like this isn't going to end we're, this is our new normal for the next two years at least and <laughs> right and this is just how it's going to be and and then there's times where i'm like hey you know it's it's basically been a month um you know we're we're all safe we're all healthy we have food in the pantry you know got got a little bit of money in the bank like it's it's going to be okay. So it, it, it just sort of depends on the day. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Well, we'll just keep hanging in there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I figure at some point, almost all of us are going to get this virus. It's like, you just have to wait. I feel like every day you put it off, get some closer to having some sort of vaccine or treatment for it. Yeah. And it's like, you know I mean? So I'm like, Hey, you know, eventually I'm going to get this thing. That's just kind of a natural fact of life. But hopefully by then it'll, if, as long as, as long as I can keep delaying that until, you know, the stress is off the hospital system and they have found some sort of a way to treat it where it doesn't seem so, you know, absolutely fatal. That's kind of, that's kind of my goal, right? You know what I mean? If I can stay in the day, we have enough, we have enough for, to feed everyone and don't need to leave the house. Well, then that's, that's kind of every day is a, a, a short win. Yeah, that's great. Do you now, <clears throat> do you know anyone who has died or do you know someone who knows someone who has died? Uh, I've got a couple of, uh, uh, I would say two degrees of separation away from, uh, I don't know if any, I'm trying to think if there's any uh, anyone who's actually passed from it yet, but a couple of people who have had it, dealing with it, and have recovered. Um, That's good. You know, and you know, you know, it's hard to kind of judge real life by social media life. I mean, because if you if I actually felt like I had five thousand close friends, uh, well, then absolutely, I've known several people who have it, and, and a couple who have lost parents and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I'm like, well let's look at appropriate social media distancing. Those aren't actually people in my circle or in my life. They're just people I'm connected to on an app. Right. You know, that's that's a good point. But, you know, I will say this, I've got a couple of older family members on my side of the family and on on my, my wife's side of the family who have always been, I wouldn't say it's not so much that they're right wingers, but they're just sort of, kind of that old school way of just they don't not that they don't take things seriously but they just don't get phased or moved by things you know they yeah. just sort of keep on trucking and to see them now take this serious and see it as a real thing that has been like a, a major landmark as far as like okay this this has now reached that circle of people to where they're not just blowing it off and and making jokes about it now that they see that it's a real thing i'm like okay now we've reached a new level of this is a a no shit situation for real yeah no yeah that's a good point yeah i'm I'm in the sort of the same boat where where i you know someone i know like personally has i'm up to three that someone i know personally has lost someone you know that i didn't i didn't know them personally but but it's that yeah sort of second degree of separation but yeah no the uh, I, it took a little longer than I would have preferred, but yeah, I think, I think most people are, are taking it pretty seriously. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. And of course, all the, all the experts and everyone say that, that this week and next week are going to be when it really hits that tipping point where it's going to kind of hit that number where you, you, everyone's going to know somebody who's, who's, who's had to deal with it. Yeah. And you know, the problem is with, with stuff like this is that, you know, it started off where, where China, you know, was, was the epicenter. And then it was Italy. Uh, and then it was sort of New York city. <clears throat> well, 
I, you know, I know people that, are, that went to New York City over spring break that, that live here in Texas. So it, it's just going to every couple of weeks, there's going to be a new, a new place where it's absolute hell. And, and we're just, and I was, we were kind of talking about it. Like, like, it's sort of like we live on the coast and there's a category 10 hurricane coming and <laughs> we're just waiting for it to hit. And that's not a happy thought, but, but I, that's just how these things work. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, you really got me uh, uh, feeling positive and motivated. Heck yeah. Right? No, I'm going to go lay down <laughs> in the bottom of the shower. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I recommend is everybody, um, you know, sanitize your services, clean your house. Uh, wash your hands and just preemptively dig like a not i'm not calling it a grave but just like a a a shallow <laughs> dig a shallow in your yard you know what i mean like like the kind dogs will dig in a yard to lay in you know about a not even a whole foot deep but just a nice little cool dirt hole <laughs> that whenever you feel like you you've started to contract the illness you can just just go lay in it just lay in it and let nature do it do its thing you know what i mean <laughs> Sometimes you get better. Sometimes you get worse. Did you ever watch Deadwood? I, it's you know, I, now that I have all the time in the world, I'm starting to realize, like, hey, I've 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 seen like two episodes of Deadwood. I've seen like three episodes of Game of Thrones. You know, I've, yeah. So so I've i I'm oh, you can go with... back and catch up on that. Well, there's a guy in, in Deadwood in the first season. They had uh, the smallpox go through yeah. the camp, right? And of course, they're fighting off the pandemic of of that spreading around. But they're one of the first guys that got it was uh was one of the the dealers at the little casino, and he was all messed up and just ah and he's and they just drug him out into the woods and just dropped left him out in the woods to die right, <laughs> but he didn't die he languished in the woods with randos kind of giving him water and and calamity Jane kind of yeah he gave him some water and some food and stuff but then he got better so that's how I always feel like I think I think of that guy like if I get it if I all of a sudden I get you know cough up the chunk of pink foam or whatever it is <laughs> they keep talking about I'm just gonna wander out into the woods and 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 see how strong my body really is and, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 there's a little bit of frontiersman yeah, in me. I love it. Yeah. And then we're all prepared for this. We all grew up playing Oregon Trail. It's, it's pretty much the exact exactly same thing. Exactly the at same this thing. Point. Yeah. Well, James, let's talk about something that's a little less depressing, and that is the death of sports. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't believe, I mean, uh, keeping all things in perspective, let's just sort of narrow our focus into how we've seen society lose some of its lose some of the icing off the cake. And that's kind of how you look at sports, right? Things kind of have to be at a state of peace and normality for us to have sports. And that be a thing that we care about and worry about. Uh, and now we've got none of that. Right. And it's, as, and you are a historian, you're the history major, you're a history teacher. Um, there's only been a handful of times where sports have not happened and they're not good times. Right. Right. I mean, you're talking world war one, world war two, um, or only times like Olympics have been canceled. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball, what you've got, I'm trying to think, what a strike year was one year we didn't have a World Series. Well, are there any other examples of seasons, entire seasons being canceled? Other than other than a strike, n- no. Uh, even during World War One, um, they they still played baseball. Even during World War Two, like FDR, FDR wrote a letter to. Um, to Kennesaw Mountain Landis, I think I think that's who was the commission. Yeah, sounds um, right. That said, like, hey, you know, in in this time of <clears throat> of war with Nazi Germany, like it's called the Green Light Letter. Um, 
where you know we think it's it's super important for baseball to continue as a as a distraction so even when we're like fighting the nazis like like they they still they still play baseball now a whole bunch of like your your star players and you know a, a whole bunch of of major league baseball players um served in the military during world war ii so it wasn't like full strength major league baseball but but they still played it was good enough to count right yeah they, they could get some rando dudes who you know a bunch of colorblind guys that are now called the cardinals <laughs> that's right <laughs> get out there and hit the field boys it's good enough for good enough for um for the people that are in, in attendance but now um i mean they've delayed the start and uh it, i would say it's better than 50 50 now that we have no baseball season whatsoever let's I'm sure you read uh, the report that came out last night. The I think it was Jeff uh, Passan or Passan. I, I still I've, I've interviewed the guy on the radio, and I don't know how to say <laughs> his name correctly. P A S S A N. That guy <laughs> with the report that they're going to try that essentially the the Arizona Biodome baseball season. <laughs> uh, now, what what are your thoughts on on that pro, uh, proposition? Do you think that's doable do you think it's we're likely to see that is that the last best hope to have baseball in 20 i think i i i've i've, I've read it and I, I go back and forth between thinking uh no this is a really terrible idea um just because of the risk that's that's associated with it and but but most mostly i think that it's it's just one of those things that you say to give people hope because if they if you came yeah. out and it's it's April seventh, you know we should be what ten games into the regular season. Yeah, and they're like, look, yeah. we're we're gonna we'll see y'all again in February. Like that's that's then <laughs> that, that's and it's sort of like with the quarantine thing. Like they keep doing it like thirty days at a time. And if if they just come out and said in February, like you're not leaving, you're not going anywhere until July at the earliest. Like the people, it'd be the it'd be the right. purge. Like I mean, so I think this sort of slow incremental kind of backing up and delaying of normal society is has, has more to do with 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 just trying to to let people know that eventually like you know we're, we're making plans things will eventually get back to normal we're trying don't lose hope like we things can get back to normal soon but but i think a lot of people are starting to come to the like kind of what you said that the the idea that there's just not going to be anything until and I and I don't know when you know you, you can't yeah. do it. Yeah, no you shit. can't do it in the fall, in the fall because the way these things go, you know, it, it kind of dies down a little bit in the summer, and then and then it picks back up in the fall with with diseases like this. So, I mean, even I, I know everyone loves the NFL and college football, but I don't I don't know that that's even coming back. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna freak out a whole lot of people once they get closer, and, and that's not gonna be. I mean, there's gonna be a tipping point here. I would say within the next month on whether or not they'll even be able to do college football season, but that's going to be the one that that's that will be the wake up call that really shakes the deep south who are trying to act like this, this is, is all no big hopes. deal. Yeah, no. Um... Yeah, this is all just no big deal. Let's go to church. Let's go. <laughs> let's go fishing. You know. But let me hold on. Let me double. Let me double back here for a second to the uh, to the biodome baseball proposition. If you if for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, uh, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Have come up with a tentative plan, uh, or at least uh, they're they're trying to see if this plan will work, where they take all thirty teams and put them in the Phoenix area. Essentially, each team gets its own courtyard area, basically. <laughs> right? Plenty of those, in right? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what it would be, right? Like the, that little think about the, when you see those little you know three four story airport type yeah. hotels. 
boom, guess what? The, this one is now the property of the Atlanta Braves because no one's no one you know, regular people aren't right. traveling. No, you know, you know, so th- those are sitting wide open. So you know, you think about the you know the, the billion multi billion dollar corporation that is Major League Baseball, and the the, the it, no problem for them whatsoever. To like, okay, yeah, you know, this is our hotel now. So they they basically are in isolation in little hotels all around the Phoenix area because that's how the Arizona spring training works. In Florida, it's all scattered around all over the state. Each team, maybe one or two teams, have their joint facilities. But in, in Arizona, they're all right there around Phoenix. They're all within about a, a 30 to 45-minute drive right. from each other. And then they're going to get all 30 teams in the area and then um, play in uh, at, at Chase Field, the Diamondback Stadium, uh, Arizona State Stadium, and all the different spring training facilities. I mean, hell, even high school fields. It doesn't matter as long as the field's good because ain't no one going to go to the game. It's going to be completely empty stadiums. Right. Right. Which I think is a, a, a natural benefit to teams like Pittsburgh. <laughs> Oakland, yeah. Because they're – yeah, Oakland. They're used to that anyway. <laughs> but anyway, so they're talking about um, and and even having the players maintain the six feet distance from each other by not even you know bunching up in the dugouts, having them basically open in the stands, just sort of sitting six feet away from each other in random seats. I mean, think about how crazy that would just that alone, huh? What in a quiet stadium? Um, uh, seven inning games and playing double headers so that they can get a bunch of games in. So this has turned into American League right. summer ball, right? This is going to be like a big travel tournament kind of thing. Um, and no umpires behind Thank home God. plate using only. Yeah. So this is kind of, think about that. This is, this is something I read that, that jumped out at me using the, uh, you know, the, the, the radar basically, or the, the laser focus, whatever it is that they're doing the strike zone. So that way the, the, you know, the, the, the umpire, which is more than likely a boomer, most umpires are boomers. <laughs> And as the kids like to call the coronavirus, it's the boomer remover. <laughs> That's funny. I've never so, heard that. That's good. Oh, you haven't heard that? Oh, yeah. My, my daughter <laughs> loves that, the boomer remover. But um, so th- it, it's a completely interesting idea. Uh, you know, of course, cameras, the uh, uh, same like when they do the all-star games and or the spring training where they mic up a couple of different players. They're talking about having certain players mic'd up during the game so that way you'd have some more to it. I mean, on paper – it looks like an interesting way for them to do it. I mean, this will be a remark. If they pull this off and it happens, I'm going to have a hard time not watching every single game that'll be available. Not just the Astros, but I just, I just want to see the, 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 the unbelievable spectacle that this will, that this will be. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I mean, this is going to, this is going to be something. There was that spring training game before everything went to hell that uh, Freddie Freeman was mic'd up and, and talking to Chipper Jones and, you know, I've, I've obviously I follow baseball and and, you know, I, I could name, you know, at least, you know, five to ten players on every single team. Uh, I knew that that Freddie Freeman, you know, was is like a folk hero in Atlanta, but I had no idea he was actually funny. Uh, and so it would, it would be really cool <laughs> yeah. to, to watch games, especially if we're all shut up inside the house, you know, to, to have something to watch that's not the news, that's not you know death tolls and and ventilators and all that stuff and but and just right. to see like all right who who in baseball is actually has a personality because baseball's done a remarkable job of not marketing anybody uh and and making mm-hmm. anyone likable in in any way and so the, the the idea is is a whole lot of fun i just don't know you know can they bring their families with them you know are, are they or are... no no that's 
I read that they, they, they will be in, the, the players will be in complete isolation with a very skeleton crew that they use for coaching, uh, medical staff, that kind of shit. I mean, it's going to, it would, it would, I, as a, if I was a player, I'd be looking at like, I can't have my family. Uh, can't have road <laughs> beef. You know what I mean? You can't be, they, they can't be sneaking in girls into the place. They can't go out to bars and party. I mean, it would be a weird, almost, almost like a, a, a punishment. It's going to feel like the, you know, all right, go play the game, come See, back, it, go it, sit it's in It's more room. like, like that, that's less, that, that's asking them to basically be gladiators. Like, like give up, give up everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in the middle of the worst pandemic that we've seen in a hundred years, you, you go sit in a hotel in Arizona and then come out and perform for us and go back to your hotel and sit. Like, I just don't. I don't see the players getting on board. Well, I can. I can see if they look, if, if someone was, if they had strong enough leadership, and I don't think Manfred's the guy for this, but if they had a strong leader who was, um, oh, what's the right word I'm looking for? That could give them the speech. That could give them that patent standing in front of the flag that we're going to play baseball like shit through a goose kind of speech to them that says this is for america this is what the people need you know so i'm asking you to make a small sacrifice to do this amazing thing that's going to be remembered forever you know i'm I'm offering you a chance here you know know, i I can see myself giving this (laughs) rob manford could right i I think if if they if they framed it like that like this is a calling a a one-time deal that's you know to to provide you know a distraction and diversion to the american people blah 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 but even though it's a deal worked out between the 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 union and and the league i feel like there has to be an individual opt-out for each player yeah right i mean someone could be like no i can't be away from my family i can't not you know i can't i I can't do that i can't go and be a part of that so then you'd have to make some sort of allotment for all right well if your team loses eight guys who can't uh who who opt out then then you've got to be able to add those you got to make some deals you know you have to wheel and deal and all, all kinds of ridiculous this shit is mark appel's time to shine <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well now let's say let's say that this doesn't happen let's talk a little bit now uh for my listeners who are uninitiated uh james yasko is is the premier astros oh. uh blogger he's a you've had an amazing blog astroscounty.com since the dark ages since before the hundred loss uh, uh years you, you you're an OG. Your bona fides are are without uh, question, all right. And you do amazing work. And when the, everything's going great, you are a must read every day uh, to keep up with the Astros major league team, the minor league development, just everything about it. And, and and you're not just some sort of crazy homer. You give a fair, um, a balanced, reasonable uh, account of things. When they suck, you say they suck. When they're wrong, you say they're wrong. And that's what I like about you. You know, uh, and, and you're just an excellent writer. I enjoy your stuff. Now let's talk about uh, the, the 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 Astros themselves. Obviously, uh, we're the great heel. Everyone hates the Astros now, in in in, in the world. Um, this is how are they? If this season doesn't happen, then that means because of the arrangement that they've worked out. That AJ Hinch and Jeff Luno, their suspensions right. have been served. They will be, they will be eligible to return in the year 2021, whether or not baseball is played in the year 2020. I don't feel personally like Jeff Luno is going to be able to come back. <clears throat> right? I don't. I think they're moving on from him. 
he's going to have to go somewhere else and probably just, I think Jeff Luna's probably going to be out of baseball and not come back. Right. Which is a shame because he did amazing work, but you know, he did what he did. Uh, Hinch. I feel like Hinch will definitely manage a major league baseball team again, but what do you think is the likelihood or possibility or prospects of AJ Hinch coming back to the Houston Astros as their manager? I think it's pretty low. Uh, And I agree with you. I, I don't think that I, I think Luno the the next we see the next we hear of Jeff Luno he's going to be running some like Division two soccer team in England and and they're they're going to win absolutely everything right um, but mm-hmm. Hinch yeah. is different I I think he does manage again um, but I I don't think it'll be for Houston just and even though Hinch has come off as as the one guy who's been, you know, we, we haven't heard from Alex Cora, like a single thing. We haven't heard from Carlos Beltran, a mm-hmm. single thing. Hinch did go no. on MLB Network. And while I wish Tom Verducci would have asked some different questions and made things a little bit more uncomfortable, uh, he acquitted himself pretty well. Um, and so, and, and he's, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think everyone by now who was paying attention to the, to the whole story knows that, that he should have done more. He broke the monitor that they were using on, on a couple of different occasions and, and sort of just, you know, the, the, it, it he couldn't stop the train, you know, if, if he'd done something earlier then it might've been different, yeah. but, but who knows? So I think he'll manage again. I just don't think I just, I just, it would be great. I mean, I think he's the best manager uh, in Astros history, but but I, I don't yeah. think I, I, I think he'll be it's going to suck when he goes to Seattle. Um, but but, but I, I just don't see it happening yeah. in Houston. That's a damn shame, you know, because um, he really would. I think I think he would be really, really it would be if we're going to embrace the heel turn, if we're going to be the bad guys anyway, if they're going to hate us. Then it may as well bring back the guy, bring back the guy and just rub it right in their face, right? Because I mean, it's inarguable. You can't even, I mean, it's not even, there's not even really a point in saying, well, he already knows the players, he already yeah. knows the system. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a given. That's, that's, it's, you're basically just putting him back in the job where he had three 100 win seasons in a row as a manager. That even, that alone right. is un- unprecedented. There, there would have, outside of this, there would have been no reason whatsoever to have fired the guy, right? So, of course, it's an easy fit to slide him right back in the job as soon as you're allowed. Plus, Dusty Baker, who we had to take out of cryo-freeze Futurama style. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now, I think this year of not playing, he's going right back to the vineyard. He could he just, okay, well, that was fun. Thanks for letting me do eight press conferences for about $2 million. <laughs> a good deal. Good work if you can get it. But, I mean, I don't think Dusty Baker would come back if this season gets canceled. He's just going to go return to retirement. I don't see him restarting that motor again and getting back for another year, right? I think it, it depends so, on – So, we're going to need a new manager anyway. Hinch will be eligible. I, I think it depends on how badly does <clears> – how badly does does Baker want to win a World Series. And I, I think, of course, you, if you're in baseball that long, you, you want to win one. I But – you know what happened? So everyone that's going to be a free agent will still be a free agent at the end of the year, whether regardless of whether they play the games. So if you're if you're looking at yes. all right, you're Dusty Baker. You signed up for a year with with Verlander, Grinky, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Springer, Gurriel, and and suddenly now they're all a year older, and you don't have Springer, uh, and you don't. You, Right. Don't just say that like that's a given. You think Springer's leaving? You think He'll Springer be will become a free agent? The entire at the end of starting outfield from last year will be a free agent. So I don't think you know. 
given that it, it, next year would be, I think, the last year of Verlander and Grinky. Um, you know, I I don't think that that with the roster that they have built, that that the Astros would be willing to lose. You know, Reddick. You know, I think I think everyone can can pretty much understand that Reddick's going to go somewhere else next year. But you don't want to lose. Well, because someone else, someone else will pay him retail to go <laughs> somewhere else. It's it's almost like uh, it's like Marwin, yeah. like when Marwin left. You 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 had we had our it's what people don't understand about the 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 the, the economics of of uh, sports payroll. Uh, when you have a guy on the cheap for a certain amount of years and they over promote, well, now it's I mean, well, why don't they just give him what he wants and pay for all? Because you don't pay for what you already got. Right. You pay for what you're going to get, right? So for you personally, it's not worth the money to use you're now you're on the back end of the bell curve of their production. So now I'm going to overpay for future stuff based off past shit that already happened. So no, you, that's when you, all right, well, I'm going to go back and, and find the next value deal who can and find someone on the front right. end of that slope. And then now to someone else, some other team, it's worth it for them to pay this guy based off of what they can project off of them. It's, it's, it's hard to, to get people think that it's like a, it's like a, a disloyalty kind of thing, but it's just, it's, it's something I always call the cruelty of math. Yeah. Right. I mean, they just don't, it doesn't get, they don't give a shit about what you actually think. It's like, here's what the numbers suggest. That's the, the, you know, the, the, right. the analytics of it all. So you think Springer's gone. I, you think I, Springer's honestly, gone. I think there's a better, I think that it's, there's a better chance there's a better chance that that the Astros re-sign Springer to or sign him to an extension than 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 they do let him walk, just because and, and we've and I know it's a diff, it's a it's sort of a different front office, not I mean you have a new general manager now, but you know but he comes from Tampa but I think he also understands like you know what what the when Hurricane Harvey hit, you know the Astros went and got Verlander. You know, I think in a in a season where you know you you have this this sort of core group for a for a very limited amount of time, you know, I, I think that that losing Springer because you didn't want to pay him you know seventy five or eighty million dollars, um, is structured in a way where you can sort of get around you know the Verlander and Grinky contracts, but I, I I just think that this front office has has generally taken care of the fans. And I don't see that a, a different general manager wouldn't realize that that that's that's what Springer means. I mean, he was the he was the first one, you know, he was the first one of the. Yeah. And I, I know he was drafted bef- the year before, like Luno came on and, and whatnot. But but he was he was the yeah. first like young guy that you could get excited about since. <clears throat> and it, it was I mean, Brett Wallace, you know, John Singleton, sort of maybe not really. So Springer was the first like yeah. homegrown superstar since what? Berman? Well, I I would say Altuve. Well, Altuve, Altuve was, was before yeah, Springer. That's, that's true. That's a good point. So, but I know what you're saying. I, but but Altuve was a little bit of that 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 uh, that land bridge between the old and the new, right? Because I, I remember uh, Al, Altuve came up and essentially his first game with the Astros was Hunter Pence's last game with the Astros at home. I think he got traded a couple of days later on the road, right? So that was that was the, the the passing of the baton of that one era to the other. But then it was the next year or maybe even the year. Springer was already with the, the, with, yeah, with the organization. And, and Altuve had been point, in the organization for a while. He just came up through, like, you know, the, the Venezuelan League and then, you know, climbing through the minors. Springer was a first-round pick. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Well, I hope I, I honestly, I mean, I, I like to be cold blooded about my uh, baseball team. It's the same way. Like if you're going to raise puppies <laughs> for sale, don't get it. Don't get yeah. attached. You know what I mean? You know, love them while you can pet them, be sweet to them. But when it's time for them to go, just, uh, you know, let them go, <laughs> you know, uh, but Springer, man, I, I think with everything he's done and what he means to the team and, and to the, to the fans, it, it, whatever you save in money by letting him go and, and making a business move, I think you lose in the goodwill and the, and the, the, the heart of the fans, you know what I'm saying? Like, and th- and that means a lot because that's real money. That's gate money. That's, that's merch money. That's, uh, you know, overall fan experience, which is yeah, one of no, the I, think, I, think, I think that's about. exactly right. Uh, hey, Gotcha. Well, hey, real quick, um, and, and we're going to take a little little break here for a second. Uh, but do you think? I, I think there's fuckery afoot, my friend, uh, with the Red Sox report. Okay, um, because the, I think they've hung out the Astros to dry to make it look like they were the only cheaters. They were the absolute worst. They they have the Red Sox nailed, but they just keep they're, they're not as forthright and, and and forthcoming with with this report. And I and my heart tells me that the Red Sox scandal was much worse, much more devious. And we're not even getting into the, the Yankees and the Dodgers themselves, the, the biggest crying uh, yes. alligator tears babies in the world. But this Red Sox report, they keep pushing it back. They keep, this feels like this is going to be one of those Friday night news dump kind of things where they're going to try to try to try to bury it and, and make it play like it's a no big deal kind of deal. Are we ever going to see it? And what's your instinct? What are, what is your intuition tell you? I think think you're right. And I I wonder how much of, of the delaying of, of the report has to, I, I personally, I was hoping that, that Manfred was waiting until Tom Brady signed with someone else and, and just make it the worst day ever for every Sully from uh, Brookline. You know, that just just destroy the hearts mm-hmm. and wills of the of the of Boston fans. Um, but I yeah. wonder if, if the delay is is sort of the the Manfred thinking there's too much bad news and not, and, and not wanting to kind of pile on. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you you know, by this point, they've investigated the Red Sox longer than they've investigated. You know, they went from the beginning of the investigation to the release of the report of the Astros. Shit. They've investigated the Red Sox longer than they investigated <laughs> the Black Sox. At this point, we need to know what's in this damn thing. Because they moved with the quickness against was, the Astros. I always oh thought my it was interesting God. that the first players, the first non-Astros players to come out and say, Hey, you know what? It's time to focus on baseball. We need to move on. It was the Red Sox because they knew that they were going to get hammered for the exact. It was Chris Sale. It was JD Martinez. It was you know. It was these Red Sox players saying like, "Oh, you know, let's let's move on. Like, let's go ahead and shift this conversation because they knew they were about yeah. to get popped for the exact same thing." I have no idea what's taking so long because they're yeah you know, they're they're like the. They're the unindicted co-conspirators going, well, that sells that. So let's just move on now. Nothing further to see here. Yes. Yeah, they're going to hang it all on Alex Cora. And I think probably rightfully so. But they're going to they're gonna do the old, they're going to do the, the stupid move of framing a guilty man. And they're going to make it where this is, oh, yeah, he was the only person in all of baseball who was doing this. Alex Cora, a little bit Bill Tran. When... It just takes a little bit of digging, a little bit of want to, and you could you could pull the string on all of baseball Absolutely. for the last Absolutely. five ten years. And I, I think that and, and it's it's really hard and I understand how it comes across. Like I mean the Astros 
what they did was wrong. Uh, and everyone knows it and they know it. Um, and, but it, it's really hard as, for someone. I want to be objective and I want to be level-headed and I want to be honest about, about, you know, the team that, that I've, you know, loved for 30 years, but, but it, there are other, it, there's no way that the Astros were, I mean, I do believe they're the only ones using freaking trash cans. Uh, yeah, that was stupid. That, that was actually the, the dumbest part of the whole uh, scheme yeah. because you can track that. You can hear it. You can, you can, you can prove it in broadcast. That was, and that was the fail was on their part, honestly. That was, if that was stupidity or if it was just, you know, arrogance or whatever, then an empty stadium, you know, that, that no one else is going to hear, no one else is going to hear that. So in that <laughs> exactly. regard, the Astros deserve everything they got. Cause that was just freaking stupid, but there's no right. way that, I mean, there were articles published before this postseason. They're like, you know, the, the Dodgers video room looks like it's got a small army in it. I mean, it's the, the, the Red Sox were using mm-hmm. Apple watches, you know, two seasons ago, like, which makes me realize like, I don't know how to properly use yeah. my Apple watch. If, yeah, exactly. I get, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so I thought the same thing. I'm like, man, how the hell are they pulling that off? Because I had about maybe two apps on <laughs> yeah, it that I, I could get to work and that would that would be useful. It was good as an alarm clock and a timer when I was on stage. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's another thing too about I, I way I kind of looked at it, I don't know if I expressed this thought or not, but I feel like I don't want to make excuses for the Astros. Uh they did what they did and they knew what they were doing was wrong. There's some discussion about that because obviously they put out, you know, they put out the memo, the 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 this is illegal memo with what, ten yeah. games left in the regular season. So, you know, okay, great. So from there on, and then through the postseason, and then of course in the postseason it was highly ineffective because right. the stadiums were packed and loud, so you can't hear the guy banging the trash can when you got you know forty thousand people going ape shit. But anyway. I, the way I look at it, the way it boils down to, and what upsets me as an Astros fan is I feel like the national narrative, the perspective on it is that, is that they're guilty of a felony when really it's a common misdemeanor. You know what I'm saying? Like people acted like, and I think it's how you can tell who actually knows what baseball is. They acted like this is just the most god-awful betrayal of trust and just, oh my God. When in reality, when people who know a little bit more about baseball and, and the culture of baseball, they're all doing it in one way, form, or another. The rules have always been bent. Toes have always been over the line of what's acceptable. And that's just, I mean, and that that is, at its core, the DNA yeah. of baseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, if, you, if you think that stealing signs is some sort of unholy line to cross, Boil it down and think about why there are signs. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why are, why are they going through the rigmarole of the tap, the arm, the go to the ear, the twice, across here, down to there, second signal signifies, you know, why do you think they have to do all the, you know, why don't they just say, hey, curveball, why don't they just stick with one means this, two means that, if they're not, if they don't already know that everyone's looking because they <laughs> themselves are looking. It's it's hard to, oh, I'm sorry, it, it, it drives me crazy and I know it's a swirling Wormhole See, I have this. I have this theory confusion. that I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting some vitriol uh, towards the towards the the team itself, towards Astros fans. Uh, I wasn't, I, but I don't know that I was prepared for like the level uh, that three months after 
you know, the, the, the report is released, you know, some Astros fans try to have a zoom meeting, you know, it's a Saturday night and, and it just gets bombed with like cartoon porn and the N word. And, and I, so my theory, and I had this theory before the think about when the report was released, it was like, it was like mid January. You've got all of this angst Mm -hmm. and anger directed at the state of American politics. You know, Trump is, is, I can't remember the timeline, but Trump's either about to get impeached or he's just been impeached. And this report comes out that, hey, the Astros cheated in the year that they won the World Series. And it was a... It was a way to align yourself. It was a way to get fr- to, to, to scream and yell about the Astros was not political. Everyone can agree that cheating is bad. And people, mm-hmm. it was cathartic. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it was like a... Uh, you got to channel some anger right. at something that wasn't seen as being political. And someone asked me, like, well, do you think that, that you know, once the Astros start playing, that the level of anger is going to blow over? Or it's not going to be as much? And I'm like, you mean that people who have been stuck inside their houses for months will not use the opportunity to get out some of that frustration and that angst. It's going to be worse now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care when they, they could not play baseball until 2025. And the minute that Alex Bregman steps in the box, like he's going to get showered with booze because it's, it's a way to get Mm -hmm. all this frustration out. Right. And, and I think you have a little bit of the, um, the culture that has been created where people love being trolls and want to be the barstool asshole, you know what I mean? And, and, and please film this so that I can go viral of me with my shirt, the calls him a cheater and me standing up by the third baseline and yelling at him, you know what I mean? Watch me roast. It's like in comedy, it's the, the, the the heckler destroying videos, you know I mean? It's like they're picking the fight just so they can have the fight. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're right. And the only way to, the only way to combat it is to take right. all that shit and still win every game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, they will get tired of, of saying you suck and you continuously prove <laughs> that you don't. I'm on I'm on the side that right? the Astros didn't really need to do it. Um that they were they were talented enough to mm-hmm. to and obviously, you know, I I wish baseball had come out and, and more forcefully said, like, look, they, they didn't cheat in twenty nineteen and they still won hundred and seven games. Um you know, but I, but I, I guess because Manfred's a weasel, like he didn't, he didn't want to come out as as being too, as going too easy, because there were people, even within the game, that thought the Astros got off too easy, um, and they wanted the Astros suspended for the whole year. Yeah. Well, guess what? Everyone got suspended for the year, so uh, suck it. Um, yeah, exactly. It's funny. Well, you people want to act like the Astros, you should should have taken away the 2017 um, World Championship. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. And I think the reason they didn't is because Major League Baseball knows the truth a lot better than they let on and a lot better than when we know they do. They, who'd they beat in that season or in that uh, postseason? Uh, the Yankees, then the Red Sox, and then the Dodgers. The three yep. other main cheaters in baseball when it comes to stealing signs electronically. So who are you going to take it away and give it to? The other people right. that are on the podium for the biggest cheaters? I mean... It's an indictment of the entire league that that clearly these teams use that to to their success. But who's right. the victim here? The Cincinnati Reds, you know, the New York Mets. Are they the victims in this deal? I mean, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Did they get fucked out of this deal? You know what I mean? So, I mean, who are you going to give it to? So, I don't know. I don't know. James, hold on a second here. Let's um, 
let's put a pin in this because I want to have you back on a future episodes and we'll talk more about um, um, the, the Astros. We'll talk more about baseball in general. Um, but when we come back, we're going to take a little break here, let you stretch your legs, let the, uh, let the listeners, you know, like I say, load their bowls and check their traps. And you're not just a, a baseball writer. You're not just one of the, you know, the, the foremost uh, baseball oh. minds in Texas. Uh, you're also a, his- a history teacher. Okay. Uh, so when we come back, I'd like to ask you some questions uh, to really help us put this whole world that we're living in into a little better perspective. All right. And, and, and one of the philosophies I have is yep. sometimes the only way out is through. Right. And when you're in a world of <laughs> shit, uh, uh, keep running, <laughs> keep running, get through it, get through it. So when we come back, uh, let's get a little Love bit it. more historical perspective. Is that good with you? Excellent. We'll be right back with more James Yasko. Welcome back to After Later. I'm your host, John Wessling. Uh, joining me today, uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, James Yasko from AstrosCounty.com. But like I said, he's not just a, uh, he's not just a, a baseball mind. He's a school teacher. Teaches history at high school. He's a, a history major. I, I'd say, would you call yourself a historian? What's the, what's the watermark to call yourself <clears throat> I a historian? I, I honestly don't know. Really? Like, so that's just a, I thought that was like an honorary, uh, 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 an actual title, like something. I, uh, I guess. You call yeah, or whatever, no, I, but, I think it fits. I mean, I, I, mean, I read, I, like I spend my spare time like, reading history. I read? <laughs> that's it? And nowadays in, in the idiocracy you live in, <laughs> you're a historian if you read. I've read a book in the last 24 hours, so. Yeah, not the whole book. Whoa, go easy the there, governor. <laughs> Well, here's my question that I have for you, James. Um, I see it, and I feel it myself sometimes, where I just feel overwhelmed by the state of the world as we're in the grips of sitting on our ass at home, avoiding outside because of COVID-19. And um, I think, you know, are are these the end of days that everyone has always thought were coming every 20 years since the beginning of time? And I thought, you're a man with, with deep historical knowledge. Perhaps you could tell me some times when it was worse to make me feel better about okay, how so there's, not bad. <clears throat> there's a few things that 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 stand out uh or a few few instances that stand out and one we can go back almost just about a hundred years uh to the flu pandemic that actually did cancel the stanley cup uh and seattle sports have never recovered <clears throat> um the uh the <laughs> pandemic in, in 19 it really started like late 1917 or so you know it was called the spanish flu but that it, it was not the only reason it was called the Spanish flu was because the, the Spanish were neutral in World War I. Uh, and, and the United States had this thing called the Sedition Act, where basically it made it illegal to be a bummer. Uh, you could not print anything that, that would like, bring the spirits <laughs> down of everybody because, you know, World War I and all that. Uh, and so the Spanish were the first ones to sort of report about this new, like, you know, flu pandemic that was going around and killing a whole bunch of people. Uh, it actually, it looks like it started in Kansas um, and, and soldiers hmm. that were deploying for World War I, you know, basically got the rest of the military sick and then they went over to Europe and they got everyone sick over there. Uh, and it ended up killing about, I think the, the estimates are somewhere between 50 and, and 50 and 60 million people. Um, and, and, but again, like, like no one really in the in the american press really talked about it because they didn't want to go to jail for for printing bad news and so it it, that sort of made it worse um 
That is fucked up. They had a. I didn't know that. I had no idea that that was the the rule yeah. at the time. <laughs> it was you uh, couldn't print yeah, bad the, the news. Act. It was 1917, and Woodrow Wilson basically, in order to keep everyone's morale up and everyone's spirits up about going to war, uh, you couldn't criticize the government, the military, the war efforts, or or basically say like, "Hey, things are are kind of suck right now." And so, you know, the newspapers weren't covering you know that just how extensive this flu pandemic was, so that they didn't come in violation of the Sedition Act. Well, hold on, hold the phone. Uh, please tell me that it was later repealed or somehow was. Uh, uh, that's not still no, on the books, is it? They didn't just stop enforcing it. I don't think because that it, seems like something they would know, pull back out question. again. I don't know if they've ever officially repealed the. I'm sure they have. Um, yeah, we got at some point the the Supreme Court would have been like, oh, it turns out. The First Amendment says you can't keep people from saying bad. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm sure good, it is, I but I, God, I, I hope the answer is. to that. Give me a little bit more credibility right now. Um, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> no, I don't mean to challenge your credibility there. I'm just more scared looking at the reality of the world we live in and go, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, that's still on the books, always, they're going to fucking use was, that. I made this like offhanded joke, you know, when when Trump got elected. Well, you know, what's he going to what's he going to institute first as president? Is it going to be the Alien and Sedition Acts or is it going to be Primer Nocte? And, and, and I, and I decided, like, that's really depressing because both are equally reasonable. Um, I don't know. I'd rather so, have the sedition. So act, be it, basically, the, the way the, the law was written at the time and, and what was instituted made the pandemic worse because people weren't getting accurate information about just how, just how widespread and how deadly, you know, this, this flu pandemic was at the time. Okay, so so that would be worse if you're a hundred years ago, nineteen seventeen, eighteen. Um, you know, you, you're getting you know tore up from the Spanish flu, and at that point, you know, it's not like medical science was killing the game, right? I mean, what are you going to do? You, <laughs> it's like those you know that, that <laughs> meme about the old timey doctor. This is a you know you your yes. go your yes. blood has ghosts in it. You should do cocaine about it. Yeah. So that's about it, right? That's kind of all right. Well, just go. Now we go back to the shallow <laughs> hole I was talking about that you just sort of go lay in in your yard. That would have actually been a prescribed treatment for for the Spanish flu. Okay, well that one's bad, but you know people know about that one. Is there any other times in history that you think we could put this in, in more perspective? The, I mean, like, the, it, it was worse easy, then, so it's not so the bad. The easy now. one is the Black Death, fourteenth uh, century. Um, oh yeah, it killed about sixty percent of Europe. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the like the 1927 row, Yankees row, of plagues. Of plagues, uh, and <laughs> it's hard to know exactly where it started. Uh, and the problem with, like, especially with what we're we're just on the front end of this, and I don't know if this is going to make anyone feel better. We're just on the front end of this. Like the way these things go, because there's not a vaccine, mm-hmm. it's going to take a year to get a vaccine. You know, best case scenario, um, you know, it'll come in waves. And so, like, that's what happened with the with the with the uh the 1918 1919 flu uh, there, there there are three or four separate waves that that just right. taken people out left and right the black death it was it was a, a it, it probably started with with rats and then fleas and you know we're talking about you know basically the middle ages um it was it was ship transmission so if you lived in a in a port city in the 14th century in europe like you were gonna it was you were gonna get got Um, you were dead 
God damn. So even back then, cruise ships were killing yes. people. Um, Jesus. And so, you know, it, it sort of broke out in, in Italy. Uh, and then, you know, Italy's shipping stuff all, you know, to the rest of Europe. And, and but over the over the course of like there was I was reading like in Norway, like they, it, it would like just little little pockets of plague would, would pop up for like 250 years. Like if it was just like nothing, you know, I think worst case Jeez. scenario, we're looking at a, at a at a year, <clears throat> maybe two years of just sort of, of, of general anxiety over COVID-19. But. We're talking generations of, of Europeans that, you know, you just didn't know when, uh, you know, when the, were you going to get bit by that one flea yeah. that, that would take out your entire town? Yeah. And well, you know, there's certain people <laughs> that are anti-vax now. Think about back then, think about in the, the middle ages when someone actually comes up with the idea of, no, 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 what you're going to do is <laughs> you're going to lick the tears of the dead person. <laughs> I'm going to scratch the skin. The, I'm going to take some of the pus. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And I'm going to give it to you. And that's going to make you better. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm just going to die regular with the family. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lick the smooth. tears of uh. the dead man. Yeah, yeah. So then, then I can understand being skeptical of of the vaccine idea. Now, yeah, no, absolutely. You're just and, and you're so trying to go the, die of the know, black. I mean, sixty percent of an entire continent. You know, we're not. You know that that's that's just absolute like Armageddon yeah. levels of 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 god awful. So now that's like completely gone. Like, what what was, was the black death? What kind of was uh, virus or disease was it? And it was spread through like, I mean, it was person to person transmission. It was you get bit by if a flea bites you, um, yeah. then that that has it, then you're gonna get it, and you you know you you kiss in the barn or you call everyone you know and love will die too, or whatever. And and the thing that 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 somehow makes the black death worse is that it led to a, a pretty widespread amount of religious persecution as well. Uh, and so, and, and so people were like looking around, oh, yeah. figure out like, why are people dying? Cause you know, it's like 1349, you know, and, and 1350 and there's no, no one's looking at germ theory and, and communicable diseases and, and whatnot. So people were looking around and like, who's getting, who's getting killed? Who's not getting killed? And they they settled on well. This is obviously the fault of the Jews, because there was, there was <laughs> well, yeah. Like, Jewish I was going to say, I'm glad you said to get it first. Hit, hit as hard, and and now we know that it's because Jews were sort of segregated from the rest of society. Uh, the laws and the cleanliness laws. They washed their hands before every meal. You know, they they didn't drink out of the city wells. <coughs> um. They, you know, the, and so, but like Valentine's Day, I think it was 1349, like the city of Strasbourg, uh, which I believe is in France, um, came, like they, they just, they just rounded up like 2000 Jews and burned them alive. And, and so that was sort of, they were, you know, wow. like, yeah, that's, this is, that's this fucked is up. clearly like the Jews are trying to kill everybody. So let's kill the Jews before they can kill everybody else. And, and. Well, it's so it's so ridiculous when people just get panicky and scared. But it goes back to the right. fact that they have—that's what the kosher laws are—is essentially, uh, yeah, you know, biblical health code, right? I mean, it's basically, you know, 
uh, everyone wants to think that Yahweh would come from above and teach you how to do this and teach you, you know, you live this way, do that, you know, love you. And really, came down, hey, guys, look, uh, <laughs> uh, don't eat the pig for a while. It's got some shit on it. Wash your hands. Shrimp yeah. are going to give you diarrhea real bad. You know what I mean? Wash your hands, get fresh air. All the things that they were doing were right. the things that we know now are sanitary living. But back then, when you're just some, you know, random <laughs> fucko in the in the woods of France or Francia or whatever the hell they called it back then, you know, I mean, you're just living in a world of shit. It's it's very much like when Monty Python and 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 the life of Brian and Holy Grail. I mean, they really they had nailed it. Yeah, no, they had that down really, for sure. Were, people were living in shit. That's crazy. Okay, so Black Death, that's a bad one. That's that, that's the worst, right? Yeah, and as far I've, as, uh, I've pandemic, tried epidemic to limit shit how much I'm about. on Twitter over the last few days, just because, like, I mean, you know, it, like it can consume you, and you just the the constant need to know, like, what's happening now, mm-hmm. what are people saying now, what's the absolute latest news, um, and so I, I've tried I've tried to kind of step back from that uh, a little bit, um, but I I don't know if you've seen that the there's a little graph going around that that has like a little icon that shows the actual, I guess, chemical structure of the disease. Uh, and and it, it scales it compared to how many people it killed. And, yeah. and COVID-19 is very small. And, and they're like, look, it's not as bad as the Black Death. They're like, is that your scale? Like, is that your, that's what you're comparing it to? The, it's good. Uh, I'm going to stay in the house uh, yeah, right. for, for a few more weeks and, and make sure. So, mm-hmm. but I think it, it goes back to, you always want to, there has to be a reason. Like, there's got to be someone to blame. Uh, and in the Black Death, it was the Jews, and and in and with this, it's the Chinese. And it, it, I don't, I, I don't. Right. I guess. I, well, hold on. Well, think about it. Think, I, mean, I hear what you're saying. It, 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 there's a overreaction. There's a clear cutting almost, and they, or where they go after. You need to know. They, they go fault. after yeah. people. They need to scapegoat. They need to blame someone. Right. Uh, but there's also, it appears to be, uh, in the aftermath, something good comes out of it, right? Like, if you go back to the, uh, the, the, the Spanish flu epidemic, 17 and 18, of course, <laughs> all that misery led to the Great Depression, right? It was all kind of, but after, there was also the Roaring Twenties, right? There was a bit of a, uh, 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 an artistic and cultural boost, that came after that as well. Um, the, the Black Death. Um, what happened? Well, it, it, what happened? Yeah, in the, the, in the next exactly. chapter of so, the history books, the Renaissance. All of a sudden, everyone who had the horrible, horrible <laughs> fever, all of a sudden they can paint in three D. Oh, right. I mean, that's pretty much. I mean, honestly, what I remember, and I'm no historian. I don't read, but. That's what I think the, the greatest marks of the Renaissance yeah. was they went from the two-dimensional, almost hieroglyphic paintings, <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> someone put some contour on the cheeks, and oh, yeah, no, it's I a mean, great enlightenment. It's a golden yeah, age. Things, things do, there, there does tend to be something good that comes out of it. See, now that's my point. That's where I'm trying to get to. For everyone out there who's... who's, who's completely covered in the muck and the mire and the depression and the anxiety and, and understandably and rightfully so there's a light at the end of this tunnel right something really big right. really cool is going to happen maybe 10 years from now maybe 10 months from looking now for, if you're looking for positives uh, in this you know I think that, that we're starting to see 
that that maybe the you have to go to work from eight to five um, in order to be considered, you know, a, a, a respectable member of society. Like, I, I think that that we're seeing that start. I think we'll start to see that shift. You know, I, I, I think that we're starting to see like, man, you know, I, I, yeah. I was I made this joke. I was like like my daughter I was uh, this joke that I'm like I'm telling my daughter about what it was like in the before times. And it was like, they, they would just keep bringing you chips and salsa. Like, and it didn't matter. Like how many, like, like we, I think we have a greater appreciation <laughs> for the, the people that act. I think we're finding that the people who actually run society aren't who we thought ran society. And I think that's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. I see that a lot. And I see that, you know, I mean, look how it, everyone stayed home for two weeks and not even technically everyone just, just a, a big chunk of people, basically, they shut down, you know, work yeah. for two weeks and the economy was brought to its knees. And it really makes you realize that that a uh, yep. the labor is what actually runs this world. And B, they've got us programmed right. to basically work ourselves to death for their benefit to keep this economic bubble afloat in the air. Right. So it's like we're just. It's really, I think, kind of removing the wool from people's eyes to see that, that, oh, my God, it doesn't have to be like this. And we're not benefiting from this. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm afraid of the snapback. I'm afraid of as soon as the, the whistle blows and it's all clear, people are going to respond the wrong way. And go, well, now I need to work 50 hours a week. Now I really need yeah, my, to my, get my out of this hole they the, tell me I'm in, you know. In the travel industry, That's, which, and as you can imagine, is not terribly high demand. So we were, no, none. <laughs> yeah, we were able to, to sort of work it there out with our, no travel, our mortgage company that, hey, you know, we'll get a, a couple of months just to sort of see how this goes. And, and at the end of the conversation, I was on hold with them for like four hours. And they were like, mm-hmm. so you just pay, if you, if you don't make your payment for three months, you make the entire payment on the, in the fourth month, like all those three months. I'm like, and then you'll, you'll, be, you'll be good. I'm like, wait, wait a second. You can't just like tack on like three months to the end of our, of our mortgage. Like, and so, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I, right. I, I don't think that, that that will be the case when we, <clears throat> when we get to it, but, but I, I, I still, I still see, you know, sort of the movers and shakers in the economy trying to get theirs. And, and I think that, I think they're going to find out that, that the, the, the way things oh, yeah. used to be aren't how they are now. I hope you're right. I hope you're right because that's how I'd like to see things. I, I think when you've pissed off everybody in yeah. mass, you're not going to get away with those little griffs anymore. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, it's like um, Superman. Two? Oh, what was the Superman that had Richard Pryor in it? Was that two? I can't remember. If it was two or three. I, I lose track of the number. But so uh, right, yeah. When they were stealing a little bit from us, we didn't notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that we've had a little bit of time. We can check the books and realize, oh my god. They've been robbing us yeah. blind and sucking us dry for decades. <laughs> and they're unbelievably wealthy. And there's only a few of them. And we're all working poor now. Right. And no one has savings and no one has equity in anything anymore. You know? And and they've convinced us to fight for their rights and fight against each other for our own. And we've just you know I mean? they, collectively they, successfully just pitted sort us of all moved against past the idea that on the day that like the Senate got a private briefing about about this disease that that a few senators went and cashed in their stocks and downplayed and, and like I think I, I yeah, think that immediately that 
what I hope happens is that our memories get a little bit longer as a result of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I recommend everyone go watch uh, Les Miserables. Yeah, so yeah. We're getting super close to the barricades and like, the guillotines. Everyone's <laughs> you know what I mean? At this point, I mean, I'm seeing people. I'm seeing people that are like my fate, like uh, like uh, regular, you know, middle to upper middle class people are now getting <laughs> where they're like they want to put on the guy Fox mask, yeah, and let's have, and, and let's fucking have, tear people apart, right? You know what I mean? Ventilators and and let's you know let's work on a, a sustainable model of healthcare, but but maybe let's get a couple companies building some guillotines and let, let just just in case. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I can't wait to see the, the Facebook sponsored ad of "Build Your Own Guillotine: Justice in Your Own Backyard." Here's twenty five easy steps to to uh, kill the rich in your own in your own neighborhood. That's horrible. Well, my, uh, I would say this to the listeners: uh, Congratulations, uh, you waited through sixty minutes of. Uh, baseball and life talk yep. to get down to the true subversive meeting that this was to be all along. This is like uh, it's like when uh, uh, what was it? Uh, was it Casino or Goodfellas or one of those where they where they had the phones <laughs> tapped and they can only listen for a few seconds until it's not pertinent. So it's like the, the first hour was was the wives talking. And said, All right, and they're clear. The revolution starts at dawn. We're going to eat the rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, this has been a fun conversation, man, and and um, I, I hope baseball gets back going. Um, hey, I appreciate so that it. You can get back yeah, to uh, the, the fun work that you're good at, okay? You know, and, and I hope that that school gets going back so you can go to work, <laughs> but mostly Not so I get my kids out of my damn house. They're driving me crazy. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit, oh, it's horrible. I can't believe you guys do a, it. You you deserve I, raises for putting up with my shitheads, and you don't even get to call them shitheads to their face. I can call my kids shitheads to their face. But you can't. <laughs> oh God, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up personally yeah. on the side here for some for some homeschooling tips. Okay, so I'll, I'll look for look for a, a direct message from me on that. Uh, hit up James Yasko, uh, AstrosCounty.com on Twitter at Astros County. Allegedly, and yes. are you guys still doing the Lima Time Time podcast? You gotta, yeah, he's like allegedly. A you got to get that. Like, you got to get back. Pat back on the on the stick there. Well, yeah, he's got about five or six other little side projects. You know, all of a sudden he'll start a <laughs> podcast about uh, about Tears for Fears, and then he's yeah. doing that for for three months. You know what I mean? So you got to get him. Got to get him to write. You know, laser pointer <laughs> like a cat, but we just keep dragging the laser pointer back over to the to the laptop, and he'll he'll follow it. He'll follow. We're a good guy, but you guys do really good work with the Lima Time Time uh, podcast. Uh, I very very it. funny and informational as well. It's something I aspire to as well. Have a good one, James. You are the best. Thank you. My thanks again to James Yasko for coming on today's episode of After Later. His website is astroscounty.com, your neighborhood Astros blog and grill. Appreciate getting to talk about the death of sports once again with a, a talented writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Astros County. Uh, and they also have a podcast that he does with Patrick McClellan called uh, Lima Time Time. It's a very, very funny podcast, uh, technically sports, but uh, just really, really funny. And, and uh, you would enjoy that as well. Um Hopefully, we'll have him back on as well. And you can hit him up, not just with sports questions, not with just baseball-related questions, um, but ask him for some help 
and some tips and advice on how to handle having your children at home. He's a skilled teacher, a high school teacher. Perhaps he can give you some tips on how to deal uh, with uh, keeping your kids' uh, education up in the air. And of course, my idea is if your kids are in elementary school or younger, uh, don't even worry about it, man. Just keep, keep them cool, keep them happy, uh, do a lot of art. Do a lot of cool experience-based stuff, and you'll be fine. If they're, you know, middle school, junior high, and above, yeah, you're gonna have to do some homework. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna have to learn something. Uh, but it's difficult to do. It's a tough assignment as a parent to have to go through that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so yeah, follow James Yasko, uh, and uh, once again, thank you very much for coming on, James. If you would like to be on the After Later podcast, I'm looking for you. I want to interview interesting and unique people. Is that you? Do you fit the bill? Hit me up on Twitter. That's at John Wessling, J-O-H-N-W-E-S-S-L-I-N-G, or the show's Twitter, After Later. That's A-F-T-E-R-L, number eight, letter E-R. Whoever has the actual After Later Twitter handle hadn't tweeted anything in years, and I'm still trying to get that damn address. I want it. I want it bad. Uh, And also my Facebook page for the, the podcast is uh, on Facebook, After Later Podcast. Uh, on there, you do at sign, After Later Podcast, all one word. And my personal, my comedy uh, fan page is John Wessling Official. And if you'd like to give me some money directly, I always like that. You can buy my comedy album available now on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. It's called Warm at First. And uh, don't let the title fool you. It's a completely clean album. I put out a clean album, no bad words. You can listen to it in front of the family. I know, right? You're thinking you've listened to a couple of my podcasts. I have a hard time not saying bad words, Uh, but I did in this one. Uh, It's available for sale uh, pretty much anywhere you can buy stuff online. But you're probably already paying for hundreds of different streaming services. It's available everywhere. You're already paying for those. Uh, Listen to it on uh, Spotify, on Pandora, on iTunes. Steve on Napster. I can't believe the Napster is still a thing, but it's out there. Uh, So look for that. Uh, Tomorrow, I have uh, a really, really funny comic who's taken to a life of gardening. I'm going to give you some tips on how to slow it down and become a bit of an agrarian. Nathan Brandon will join me tomorrow. Until then, hope you come back tomorrow. I'm John Wessling. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.